Welcome to DesignOps Island Discs, the weekly podcast from Zero Height that navigates the calm waters of DesignOps with your host, me, Luke Murphy. I'm a design advocate at Zero Height, and I'm talking to the best folks in DesignOps to navigate us through what it takes to float DesignOps within your design org. For this week's episode, I'm joined by Roger King, designer advocate at Figma, plugin author, and prolific tweeter. Today, we talk about community-driven design process improvement, the world of plugins, and the future of design tools. So without further ado, let's set sail. So you're obviously a design advocate at Figma. How did you get into that? Because it's not a job that a lot of people have, right? Yeah, I hear a lot of people also asking about the role and not a lot of companies have them. It's a little bit of a newer idea. I know at Figma, they've been around for at least two years, maybe three years, three Mm. years now. So I got into design advocacy because I've been a product designer in the industry for a long time. Designer, web designer, freelance designer, worked at small startups and all this. And I wanted to get into Figma. I wanted to work for Figma. And I think the problem was at the time, it's really ironic now, but... Figma wasn't hiring remote employees and I wasn't going to move to San Francisco. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I really wanted to nonetheless. And a friend of mine, Noah Stokes, a designer in the industry as well, he had said, dude, there's this role. It's a designer advocate role at Figma and it's opening up. And I thought you should hear about it. And I was like, well, what is this? What is a designer advocate? (laughs) And Noah said, he's like, dude, it's everything that you already do. When I interviewed with our director now, Claire Butler, she had said like, yeah, you basically are going to do exactly what you're doing now, like sharing tips, sharing tricks, helping people, advocating for this. And I do say we advocate for Figma, but I know that you had mentioned earlier evangelist. In my mind, an evangelist is like uh, very much just like, this is awesome and Figma is awesome. And I think an advocate is more like, If Figma is not awesome in this way for you, how can we make it better? So that's going to be how I'll I'll think about this role. I think that makes sense as well. And and also it's about advocating for good practices within the industry which Figma sits in as well, right? Like it's not just around, you know, how do you use this specific tool in Figma? It is around how can we set shit up for you so it works better? And how can we make it so life is easier for you? whilst you have totally. to be using Figma. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. I think it's it's more about thinking holistically about yeah. what is your tool set? What are you working with? And if there's some sort of integration that you need to make this better, I think at times the answer could be also maybe in the scenario, Figma is not the right answer for you. And I think that's at least being fair. I had heard the title also as design advocate. And so I dislike that term and I always correct people <laughs> because I'm not advocating for design as a like movement or as a thought. I'm advocating for designers, people, people that are using things with unique problems. And so I think the title works. Ah, that's interesting. It's interesting. So obviously Figma has this amazing community ecosystem. I mean, your community is, is ridiculous in a good way. I mean, I'm part of the Friends of Figma Slack group. What's it up to? I think it's up to 10, 15,000. It just seems to be growing ridiculously. And part of that is obviously the plugin ecosystem, which <laughs> is just anything you want to do that is outside of the core functionality of Figma, you probably can find a plugin for. And I know you've gotten into it recently as well. So like, what was that journey like into the world of plugins? Yeah, I think it started with Figma 
community, like Figma slash community. Yeah. Uh, and it started out with files and design files and just like sharing some of those and techniques. And I, I like to experience the boundaries of the edges of the products. I like creatively solving problems. So I think that was a natural lead into plugins, but also I think there's always such limitations to just setting up a file. And I always know <laughs> in the back of my mind that I have all of this front end development experience. And so it was a matter of time. It was only a matter of time before I was like, okay, it's time we're, we're getting in. So my first plugin was <laughs> called GIF or GIF export. And it was just based on a simple problem. Like, how do I get a GIF out of Figma? Like I put yeah. it in, but I don't know how to get it out. And I think there was that, but it was also like, well, what if I could use this for memes? Like I could put some text on it and I could <laughs> export my cool GIF, my Jack Black GIF or whatever, but put some of my own text. That way I don't have to go over to those GIF creators. I could just do it right here. So that was, that was the first foray. And I just love the power that it unlocks. And I'm obviously learning something new every day. There's new creative solutions that people are doing in the community that every time I think I know, then they show me something and I'm like, oh, okay, shit. All right, we can do better. Because that is the thing, right? It feels like, I don't know, I feel like the days of product knows best, which is, I feel like that's a very old school way of like building software where it's like, we're going to tell you how to do this and this is the one way that you do it. And it's like, everybody's process is different. Everybody's tool chain is different. Everybody's setup is different, right? Right. And you need to actually build a little bit of flexibility into your platform and... It's it's just, I don't know, I, I think it's a really lovely thing that I've been seeing with, you know, Figma. It's interesting because Figma launched community and plugins, it was only a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. And it is a little bit sort of handing over the, not the reins, but handing over a little bit of control to the users to, as I said, cater to their own process and their own tool chain. Do you think that there are like pros and cons of that kind of community model? Overall, I love the community model. I think there's some nuances to how working with a community model, like to do it right versus yeah. just to be like, oh, free for all. And then like, <laughs> are we not, are we not auditing these plugins? Are we not making sure, are we not vetting them or making sure that yeah. they're like not busting things? We'll start with the cons first. I think the cons are when you allow an integration into your product, be it like a plugin or just sort of like a native integration of some kind. Now the perception of your product is, can be tainted by their experience with that plugin. Yeah. Uh, so if they're like, oh, I use this plugin and it's like lagging and like the perception could be that, oh, well, it's because Figma's laggy. So I think there's a con there yeah. that people using popular plugins that maybe are broken or not working or not updated, you often fall into maybe like this perception where those lines are blended, where people don't go, oh, it's just the plugin that's the mm. problem. They're, maybe they think it's Figma. I think that that's a very small, as far as impact, I think that's probably a small con. Like I think the pros far outweigh all of <laughs> all of the cons. First of all, it allows the community a way to express themselves and things that they need faster than we can. So much faster. I internally, I say like, I know we always use the phrase like faster than the speed of light. And I like the phrase of saying, it's very hard for Figma to keep up with the speed of developers or the speed of their community. Yeah. Because they're, they're so much more powerful and creative 
than we are as a team. And so there's just so many ideas that are being unlocked there. And that's the thing. You just need to look at the size of the community out there, compare it to the size of the internal teams that you have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even, even just that to begin with, you're never going to keep up with that. I'm curious, like, have you guys used what's popular in community yet have any impact on products? Has there been that case of like, oh, shit, there are 10,000 plugins that do this thing that Figma doesn't do? actually, maybe we should look at that and use it almost as a testing ground. Yeah, I think I would describe a lot of plugins as in some of them are just like very creative one-off use cases. Yeah, so for yeah. instance, I wrote one called Procreate Import <laughs> that allows you to import all your layers. I don't think Figma's ever going to go, oh no. my God, look <laughs> at that. Yeah, the use case is, is stunning. Let's Let's import procreate files. So I don't think that's going to happen, but I think there's some plugins that I would call like shims in a way, like this term of like, it's kind of uh, bridging the gap between what the community really wants in the editor mm. natively. So they actually, they want this. So they create this. And I would call that like a shim plugin. And I think, I think there's probably a lot of ways that we listen to the community. One is you could look at plugins and then be like, Hey, I want this natively, but I just created a plugin because I need it now. So yeah. I think there's that. And then I think you you compare all of the other bits of like forum feedback, forum issues, as well as like social feedback. Like there's lots of different places to take feedback from. There could be an enormous amount of people in the design community on Twitter going, we need min width for auto layout. We need <laughs> max width for auto layout. And I think if you distill all of those messages, I think you'll find the ones that are like the top. And a lot of times plugins, those shim type plugins exist within those bits of feedback, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it just, it makes so much sense. I can imagine that it would get a little bit unwieldy with just the sheer amount of data as well, but Hey, that's why you have good product people. Uh <laughs> and I think periodically some of the people on our team, I think of like Marchin who's on the design team, they'll often reach out to designer advocates and be like, all right. You got a top five list from people, <laughs> like top five features or editor improvements, but you can only have five. And of course, all like Tom or myself or other DAs will go, oh, here's 300. But he's he says, you need to pick top a top five. Of course, they're not going to just take our word for that. They're going to take other words. But because designer advocates are in calls with sales customers a lot, we hear this a lot from big companies that are like, we're struggling with this. We need this. So we, we also hear another angle. And so I think the Figma team does a really good job of taking in all those voices, exterior, interior, sales partners, of people that are like big businesses that are using Figma, all of that, you know? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So you've spent a lot of time going through what folks have built. You've, you're in the community. What have been the coolest integrations or like workflow improvements you've seen that you're just like, whoa, of course. And what do you want to see as well? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, what I want to see is probably all native stuff. The one big one is like, all right, you have a vector object, you're drawing a shape, and then you're drawing another one, but you're inside that. You're kind of in this editing mode, but like you just want to change another node on another one that you're not in the edit. I kind of want this ability to just be able to edit any node. Yeah. And I want guides. I want sort of better snapping. A lot of the stuff that you see in Illustrator, I'd really like to bring some of that in but redone in a way that's like truly rethinking the way we work with vectors. But that's that's all just personal desires. The problem with plugins is like, you really have to dig in and mm. like read through the docs and, and figure out exactly how they work. And so a lot of times, for instance, this one I've ran across, 
There's this one by Gavin McFarland and it's called Table Creator. And I know we get a lot of feedback from folks that say, we need native table. Like, yes, we get that auto layout. You can create a table, but like it just becomes cumbersome when you're dealing with all these big tables. Yeah. And so Gavin McFarland created this one called Table Creator. But to be honest, there's like a lot of table generation uh, plugins out there until I actually had a call with a friend and he actually shared with me like, have you seen Gavin's table creator? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I've seen the plugin, but he's like, no, have you used it? And he demonstrated how it works. And it's pretty mind blowing how it works. It essentially creates like main components and instances of all of them for like the, the columns, which means if you actually like change uh, the width, he has some magic in there. He's got some trickery, but if you change the width of the main component, the whole table will like flex and change, but it actually sets everything up with components. And so it's really smart and really cool. All right. I'm just going to rattle off a bunch. I won't talk about them too much, but if you're listening, do check these out. So breakpoints plugin, definitely a big one. Some really cool ones for creating isometric sort of views. Two plugins for this. One, skewdat. That's one of them. And one called ISO. Those are really great for creating like skewed interfaces. And you can do this with a component. Image tracer is another great one will do that thing that Illustrator does when it traces the vector from a raster graphic. Tokens is definitely one worth looking at. It's a really Ooh, unique take on design yeah. tokens. Super, super cool. Your background is not in development, is it? It's it's kind of a meandering path. I actually got a degree in math and computer science. Ah, so okay. there, there's that. And then I actually fell in love with visual design, yep. design, then I became sort of like a web programmer, web designer. Mm. Then I became like front-end developer, app developer, stuff like that. Uh, uh, but okay. mostly design, mostly yep. design work. And where do you start when you want to get into actually building your own plugin if you've got a great idea for getting in there and messing about with, I'm guessing it's the Figma docs is the best place to go? You can actually go in your desktop app. You can start off by going home and then you can actually go down and go to your profile and go down to plugins. Now, under plugins, you can actually go, there's an area called in development. You can hit that magical sweet plus button and hit new (laughs) plugin. So that's going to help you just get started with your first plugin. It'll actually plant a file, uh, like a folder that's got like your starter plugin in it. You absolutely will need to go to the plugin docs. You might want to just check out the regular Figma API and development docs as well. That has like file API stuff. Plugin docs, definitely. And then there's one last place that you should definitely go. Figma's GitHub repository of other plugin samples. There's just a few in there that are like, like I learn by seeing and by experimenting. So what you would do is download those samples, run them, and then each one of them, just check them out and go, oh, that does something interesting. Oh, I wonder how it does I Check that code out. So lots of different places there. Brilliant. So I'm curious, because obviously you've now, you've had a career spanning lots of different parts of products, touching design in various places, working for for one of the biggest design tools. It's kind of like pushing forward on what is design and what is product design. What's exciting you about the future of product design? Where is it that we're going that you're like, yes, we need to get there faster? I love that Figma's built on web technologies. I think by default, then everything is so much more open. The ability to create plugins and stuff that runs web code is just all hosted up there. I would say in the cloud, but I'm trying not to say in the cloud anymore, but it's out there. It's out there somewhere. I think we've seen browser tech changing all the time. 
browser tech is constantly adding on and layering on new abilities, whether that's like WebGL, the ability to program a video game right inside of your browser, or just new technologies with like user media, being able to like treat code that actually asks for like recording or be able to like share your screen or to be able to take a photo of yourself in a photo booth. So I love that it's opened all that up. And I love the fact that it, that Figma is built on that browser tech. As far as the future of like, I don't know too far out, but as far <laughs> as the future of like Figma that I'm excited about is one that it's always changing Two, that this team is always like trying to listen to our community and be like, what can we do next? What can we do next? What do you Mm. need? And it feels like the speed of innovation is so much faster than some of the archaic tools we used to use and then reach out to a company and be like, can you change this? And you just, the deploy isn't that fast. It's like, it takes a long time (laughs) to get a release. Okay. So going back to the original question, I am really excited about widgets. I think specifically FigJam widgets is what I'm really excited about. The interesting thing about widgets, so with a plugin, what you would do is you would like open up this window, this little Mm. web window, like an iframe, and then you're basically having that plugin tell Figma to do things. But that's a single player thing. That's like me, open. I open my plugin, I run it, and then I'm just done. So I would call that like a single player experience. So widgets are real objects, like real, think about like your Figma objects, frames, auto layout, gradients and drawings and things like that, lines and spacers. Now, all of this is actually natively rendered on a canvas. So it's gonna be on FigJam. It's gonna be right on the canvas and it's multiplayer. So the state of the widget is exactly the same for everyone. So if people interact with that widget and change it somehow, it's a lot like working with a rectangle tool and mm. you come in, Luke, and I'm over here and I change the border radius, but you change the color. And now it's sort of like a shared object that we're working on, right? I'm working on a multiplayer tic-tac-toe game. So it's just like you come in and Luke joins and Raji joins and we could just play. And it's just tic-tac-toe and people can watch what we're doing there right in the tic-tac-toe <laughs> game. But I want to make it multi-multiplayer, uh, yeah. massively multiple Probably not, but I want to do a like dynamic tic-tac-toe board that like say 10 users join that somehow that game is still fun to play for 10 people on a larger grid. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. The possibilities for this just for, well, for like distributed teams, especially massive distributed teams, like obviously playing tic-tac-toe is fun, but just the underlying concepts behind this could just change the way that design teams work. Yeah, it's, I mean, games, I think maybe some people may may go, oh, games, okay, cool. (laughs) But it's more about that you can actually create, I think here's here's the interesting part to a widget. Let's say I have a tic-tac-toe game board and there's 20 people in the file Mm. and everybody wants to be able to play their own version of tic-tac-toe. Now with a plugin, you have to install the code. Yeah, but yeah, with yeah, a widget, yeah. you don't. Yeah. That's I think that's sort of the mind blowing thing. So basically, Luke comes in. You see in my file, you're playing around. You see a cool tic tac toe game. So it's this little built in <laughs> like self containing app, and you just command C on it. Ooh. Now you go over to your friend's file, and you're hanging out, and you're playing a game. You're hanging out with them, having drinks, whatever. You're like, let's play some tic tac toe and fig jam, and you just paste <laughs> that component in. So now you have all the power and all the logic of that component simply by copy pasting. So there are these little self like transferable apps that can kind of move around and go to different documents and you don't need to install them. And I love that. I think that's for me, 
that's the whole mindset is mind blowing. Like, what else yeah. can people make? Yeah. Oh, so wait, does this does this exist now in Fig Jam? Widgets are in private beta. We announced ah, them, and we have yeah. a bunch of private beta developers working on them, which is why I'm super super stoked about it because I get to see. <laughs> everything that people are making. So before we send you off to your desert island, you get to pick one piece of music, one book, and one luxury item to take with you. So let's start with the music. What piece of music are you gonna take with you? My musical tastes do not align well with designers. I will <laughs> say that much. Anytime I share my favorite music, it's crickets. So we'll just, we'll disclaimer <laughs> with that. It, it would be something in the world of electronica and dubstep. I'm just going to throw this out here. I've been really enjoying this band lately and they're called Black Tiger Sex Machine. So <laughs> that's probably what I would bring. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Black Tiger Sex Machine. I'm, I'm Yeah, I just really love it. It's just loud and it's chaotic and I love it. I mean, yeah, I, to be honest, that's the kind of stuff that's just perfect to like get shit done to as well. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know and, what I would be getting done on an island, but let's just say it works. Somehow yeah, exactly. it works. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, now I'm really curious what you'd pair that with as reading material. <laughs> I will also be the first to say that I am not your person that reads a lot. <laughs> so, oh God, there's this one, there's this one book that I have been meaning to read for ages i'm really into horror now i've not read a lot of like horror books because once again raji is not a reader but i started it and i really wanted to finish it it's called salem's lot and i really yeah. i've heard it's good and i've always wanted to just get into horror reading because i watch movies i would actually watch a movie 10 times over before i read a book so okay so your luxury item as well you've got one luxury item to take with you what what would it be now i'm curious about this question because are there rules with oh, this no. question? No rules. Open <clears throat> rules. You can take whatever you want to. Interesting. Okay. Now, I'm assuming that we have power on this island. I mean, Because yeah. we're, we're, we've got music. Yeah. Unlimited weird power that comes out of the sand. It's like those iPhone charging things. You don't yeah. know how it gets in there, but exactly. the power gets in there. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, great. yeah. To be honest, I would probably just bring my, I would just bring my laptop. Because uh... I would, I would be like, this is the like all of this free time with no responsibility <laughs> what could i program what what worlds could i create what what would i i would probably lose my mind and the kinds of things i would create would get worse and worse but yeah. it would be cool to see you know <laughs> brilliant thank you so much roger it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much to roger for joining us on design ops island discs we're going to leave him getting suitably scared with Stephen King on the island. If you'd like to follow Rogie, you can do so on Twitter at at Rogie, that's R-O-G-I-E, or you can find all the other places to find him on the web at rog.ie, including his Figma profile, where you can find all the plugins he's created, as well as a whole bunch of community resources. This podcast is brought to you by Zero Height, the design system documentation platform. You can jump in at any point and create your first style guide for free by heading over to zerohight.com slash podcast. Make sure you add the last part in so that you let them know that we sent you. Until next time, bon voyage. <laughs>